skin that grows so thin that when people, when they look at me, they don't see me. They see the Jesus in me. The love, the joy, the peace, the goodness, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, temperance, meekness, right? Amen. This world is so hungry, so lost, and so hungry for the real church. Would the real church please stand up, right? I mean, this is... We come back after 11 years living in a foreign country, and we're looking at the United States now like, wow, this is a whole other place. We've been taken into another place. Um, it's uncommon that a country has, you know, all of its laws and, you know, um, its culture is Christian. Very unusual. The United States is an experiment, is a miracle and God has used it to reach the world with the gospel in a way that I believe he wished he could have used the Jews. Because they rejected Christ and are blind in part to the fact that Christ is the Messiah. He's used the United States in these last, you know, in these last centuries. And these liberal schools that we hear about now were actually were missions sending agencies. And so we, you know, it's important, I believe, for us to have an understanding of the age and the times in which we are in. Okay, because the devil wants to try to, and, uh, you know, we were talking about this before the service, um, and he wants to try to, you know, hijack our emotions and, like, make us feel, you know, guilty over the fact of what other people are choosing. We're not responsible for other people's choices. We can influence them. The Holy <laughs> Ghost is working on their side. But you know, all we can do is preach the word. Amen. We preach the word, and we try to live in, you know, as anointed as we can, and we pray with a burden for, for the lost. Amen. Have you been praying with a burden for the lost? And I love Jeremiah, we call the weeping prophet. And he he prayed. He weeped. He said, I make my 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 my, my sofa. A bed of tears. Everywhere that we travel, people who are struggling, maybe <coughs> ministries, maybe churches, how are we going to reach our communities? How are we going to reach our nation? How are we going to turn this around? You know, how? sometimes you know, we look around and we see empty chairs, empty pews, and we're thinking, well, you know, if the, if the pastor, if the leadership was working harder, then, you know, we, 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 the, it would look different. Well, I want you to go with me this morning, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 11. Very popular scripture. And he, which is God, and he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors. He gave, in other words, he constituted. It's God who gave the ministry... <laughs> The mankind. He could have sent the angels down, right, to preach to everybody. You know, he could have put an angel on every street corner, said, Hear ye, hear ye, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Accept him or not. He didn't. He called us human beings, you and I, and all of our flaws and all of our history of imperfection, we're born in sin. Yet he called us, why? So that we can share and testify. That saving grace is real. The angels could never testify that. We can. Your testimony is the most powerful message 
that you have. Jesus Christ saved me. He reached way down below the bottom and saved my soul from the flames of a devil's hell. Yeah. Hallelujah. He filled me with the Holy Ghost and he set me on a solid rock. And when I prayed that prayer, mm, <laughs> hallelujah, he answered it. Yeah. And he can do the same for you or for you or for you or for anybody. What can we do? Verse 12 says, the reason why God has given the pastor, the prophets, the evangelists, the missionaries, all these gifts of the body of Christ, he's giving them for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So why do we do church? Why do we come to church? Why do we do this every Sunday or whatever, you know, other, other day of the week? What, what's, what's this all about? It's got to be more than a tradition. It's got to be more because this is what our parents, you know, our parents did. Did you hear about that woman who she came home and she had a roast? And her husband, you know, was watching and she was, you know, put it in the crock pot. And she had a piece of meat and she, you know, swept it off the counter into the trash. And he said, hey, wait a minute. He said, I got a question. Why would you bring a roast home every time you cut the butt off it and you throw it in the trash? He said, that's money, you know, that you're throwing away. She said, well, um, I don't know. Uh, that's the way Mama always did it. And he said, well, he said, call your Mama and find out. He said, because that's money right there. Every time that you cut the butt off of that roast, throw it. She calls Mama. She says, Mama, I need help. I said, my husband's upset. Wants to know why in the world, why did you always cut the butt off of that roast before you cooked it? And she said, well, sweetheart, um, I, you know, I wish I could help you. But the truth of the matter is, uh, that's the way Grandma always always done it, right? Hear this out and say, they they, they you know they, they they done done it because that's the way you know they they they, they done it. So with this technology that we got now, you know they got on three way call. You know with Grandma, I said, Grandma, come on, you gotta help me out here. Uh, yeah, honey, what's the matter? What happened? Said, well, you know, just like you always used to do, you know, I buy the roast, I cut the butt off, throw it in the trash. And so, um, so we need to know. I called mom and she said, you know, that's what you what Why do you always cut the butt off the end of the roast before you cook it? She said, oh, honey, she said, I started that years ago. Said, uh, uh, it's because uh, my pen was too short. <laughs> because my pen was too short. Why do we do the things that we do? Sometimes we don't even... Know why. Why do we do church? Why do we come? What is this all about? And if we're not in it for the right reason, then maybe that's why we're not as effective or we are not in the place with God fulfilling our potential in the kingdom that we should be. And isn't that the goal? To fulfill our potential in the kingdom of God? What's your life goal for 2019 or for, you know, uh, you know, next five years? What's your, what's your long, long-term game? Simple. I want to fulfill my potential in the kingdom of God. Right? You know, it's, 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 it's not one of these things where, well, you know, you know, God should feel blessed that I've made room for him all this space on my calendar. We... We are eternally blessed that God made room for us 
in his so great a salvation, in his kingdom. And so this life, we learn, is not to make ourselves comfortable. It's not to see how many toys we can collect. It's not to see, you know, how, how, how much we can uh, insulate ourselves from problems to fulfill our potential in the kingdom of God. And when God calls, we got a choice. Right? So that's what happened. You get saved. You get saved through these ministries. And then, all of a sudden, you realize That's a great one. You realize I should have smiled. Was that smile? <laughs> Hallelujah. You realize, what am I doing this for? What is it all about? Here it is. It's all laid out in the Bible. God, he gave the gift of the pastor for the work in us, for the perfecting of the saints. You know, you, well, I don't know if I'm going to continue to go to that church because I don't know if, 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 you know, if it's my style of church or um, I don't know if I'm getting fed or, you know, what is your reason to go in the first place? It's supposed to be for the perfecting of the saints. And every time a song is sung, a word is preached, there is something in there that can feed me, that will perfect me. And if my goal is not to work in the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter what they do, it's not going to have an effect on me. If it's all about me and my comfort, then, you know, you can only go to a place so long and do the same thing over and over again and still be satisfied. Amen. We always want more. Yeah. Right? We're not supposed to shop for churches like we do insurance companies wanting to get the best bang for our buck. No. We're supposed to pray like the pastor did. Yeah. God, here I am. You saved me. You filled me. Now, use me. When I said I gave my life to Christ, what does that mean? Everybody loves to testify, right? Come on, let's have a testimony service. Oh, praise the Lord, Pastor. I want to tell everybody, I gave my life to Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! What does that mean? When you give something to someone, that means it's no longer yours. I gave my life to Jesus Christ is not a small sentence. When we declare that, that means we're saying, I'm not the one who calls the shots anymore. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you tell me to say. I'm yours. I have traded this short, short life on the earth for eternity in the yes. glories of heaven. Amen. And I tell our teams, we host a lot of teams in Honduras, and I'm going to get to Honduras, okay, I promise. But, you know, I want to give you a word. You're so glad to be here in Honduras. Hola, bienvenidos a Honduras. <laughs> Welcome to Honduras. You're so happy to be here. You've been working hard. You've been raising your funds. Thank you for coming to Honduras. Now, have a seat here because I'm going to give you some orientation. Okay, number one, 
You're happy now, but you're going to be miserable in three or four days. <laughs> what? Why? Well, because it's 110 degrees, and the places that we're going to take you, it's not air-conditioned. You're going to see needs that you never imagined. We're going to take you into places where you're going to want to hold your nose, where the sewer doesn't always run underground through a tube. We're going to rock your world. You're not in control of your schedule anymore. I am. Your air conditioning in your room might work if the, if, the, if, the air, if, the, if the electricity stays on, or it might not. I'm going to be talking to people all the time in a language that you don't even understand. You are not in control this week, and you're going to hit a wall. You're going to get uncomfortable because there's not going to be enough snacks. It's not going to be cool enough. You're going to be, you know, when you hit that wall, remember this. And remember this on your journey of life, whether it's on a mission trip. You know what? Your whole life is a trip. Your whole life is a journey. When you hit that wall, you feel uncomfortable, and you're miserable, and you're not in control, and you're at that moment when you're about to start complaining and whining, one day we're all going to stand before God, and every tear is going to be wiped away. And when we see that line of souls being cast on a lake of fire, when we see those little crowns that are being placed at the feet of Jesus, we're going to wish, we're going to wish that we could come back and sweat one more drop of sweat for Jesus. Amen. We're going to wish that we could come back and invest more passion, more heart into what we do. We're going to wish that we could come back and witness more to the lost, to our neighbors. We're going to wish that we could go on more missions trips. We're going to wish that we could sacrifice. Oh, I just want to go back. I wish I had sacrificed. We're not called to be spectators. We're called, all of us, to be participators. Yeah. And we need to get some skin in the game <laughs> and leave it all on the field. Right. Run the race to win it. Amen? Amen. I know this guy, he, he, he likes to work out. <laughs> He's working out. I hugged him in prayer meeting. I didn't feel any fat, man. You got like, what, like one, one percent? <laughs> I'm telling you, when you're working out, you're working out and you're on that last rep. You're on that last rep, right? You know, that's not the time you're going to get lazy. That's the time you've got to push out that, you know, that last, when you're, when you're walking that last mile home and you're almost there. That's not the time to get slack or get lazy or get apathetic. That's the time to push through with all you've got. Amen. Amen. And I don't know if... I don't know how, how you feel about it. But I believe we are living in the last days. I believe the signs of the times are here everywhere. And who knows how much more time we got? There's eternal souls who we never know when it's going to be their last day. That's right, brother. We don't know when Christ is going to return. Jesus said, I must work the works of my Father while it is day, because the night is coming Amen. when no man can work. And so, praise God. This is why we're here. This is why we do church. This is why God called our pastor. And every message that's preached 
It ought to be repeated in our community so many times all through the week. And if we're involved in ministry, if we're receiving, the reason I come to church is, is to be perfected, is to be corrected, is to be trained. If you don't know why God saved you, uh, I have the answer for you right now. I know why Jesus Christ saved you. He saved you for the work of the ministry. There it is, right there. We don't have to live in doubt any, anymore. He saved us for a work of the ministry. And if you don't know what that is, pray about it. It's so simple, right? I mean, we overthink this. Go to your pastor. Say, Pastor, there's got to be something I can do. Please, Pastor, I want to work in the church. <laughs> you wish you heard that all the time, right? <laughs> Please, Pastor, give me something to do. I just want to work in the ministry, oh Lord. You think God's not going to answer that prayer? Sometimes we're scared to pray that prayer. It's like that missionary who, his, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. I was going to mess that up. It's like that pastor's son who got all of his money, you know, collected all of, you know, all, all, uh, uh, his, uh, his Christmas money, all the Christmas cards. And then he was surprised. He said, Daddy, look how much money I got from my Christmas. He said, great, son. I said, what are you going to do with all that? I said, I don't know. He said, why don't you pray about it? He said, uh-uh. So what do you mean, uh-uh? He said, no way. He said, why not? He said, because that's what you told me to do last year. And I prayed about it. And I felt like God told me to give it all the way to a missionary, and I ain't about to do that again. <laughs> right? Sometimes we are afraid to get too close to God because he might actually require something of us. Now we're getting into deep stuff, right? It's not a religion anymore where we control it and manipulate it. A religion you manipulate. If you feel like, well, you know, I should fast tomorrow. You say, no, I don't want to fast tomorrow. I'll fast twice next week. That's you calling the shots. That's you negotiating yes. with the God you've invented in your mind. Mm -hmm. When we're in a relationship with Almighty God, He's calling the shots, and either we obey or we disobey. There's no negotiating. Yes, that's right. Amen? Amen? And if the Spirit of God is on the inside of you and you disobey God, that's called sin. You get convicted and you have to what? The R word. Yeah. Repent. Yes. <laughs> You know, it's not that complicated. And so where God guides, he provides. What he doesn't keep you from, he'll keep you through. So God saved me at 21 years old. And I was doing a bunch um, of bad things. My kids are here. Um, so <laughs> I'm not going to share my whole raw testimony. But um, I'm telling you. Um, I had drunk alcohol, and I had done drugs, and I you know, had done a lot of things I felt really, really bad about, yet could not change. What a miserable existence, having to live a life that you feel regret for, and want to change, but can't. Trying over and over and over again, and just, just miserably failing. Well, at 21 years old, I came into a church, I didn't understand any of the preaching. I mean, you know, it was Spanish to me. <laughs> I felt the presence of God so real. So real. When the altar call was given, it said, if you would like Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, 
I invite you to come down. We want to pray with you. I ran, <clears throat> hit the altar, and you know, I didn't know any religious prayer. I just lifted up my hands. I said, save me, Jesus. Save me, Jesus. And when I prayed that prayer, God answered that prayer. It felt like 100 gallons of Clorox had been poured out of my soul. Washed every sin away. And when I opened my eyes, the sun was shining in. And it was like the first sunrise I'd ever seen with my brand new eyes. I was a new creature. I was born again. And I turned around and I looked at everybody who had been a stranger just moments ago. And all of a sudden, they were my brothers and sisters in Christ. I felt a connection. It's, it's real. And then I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Wow. I said, this is what the power is for. Acts 1.8. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. I said, okay. You know, I just take it literally. And so I, you know, I went down to downtown. Uh, Greenville at the time. And just started preaching on Main Street. Just, you know, open the book. Jesus loves you. The Bible said, for God so loves the world. Right? Had a lot of zeal. I didn't have a lot of wisdom. But you know, I was off to a real good start. Well, I did start to study the Bible, and I got my license, you know, and I got credentialed, and then eventually, you know, I got ordained, and I began to preach revivals. I'll never forget the time that I was in that prayer meeting and heard the Holy Spirit say, I'm calling you to preach. Wow. Woo! Hallelujah. God wants for every one of us to have those milestones in our lives. Salvation is when you give your life to Christ. You know, your, 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 your baptism in water, your baptism in the Holy Spirit, your call, your confirmation in the ministry. And, you know, all through our life, salvation is not the end. It's the beginning. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And so then I found out that this word, the, this is a scary word in this Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Where it says you shall be witnesses. Witnesses, we're talking about, could be translated in the Greek into martyr. That means I'm willing to give my life for the cause. If need be, I'm willing to die for the cause. I'm willing to die to myself. I die daily. Right? It's one thing to die to yourself one time and then that's it. It's another thing to live a living sacrifice every single day. Every moment. When the devil is tempting you, when the world is mocking you, provoking you, and you're trying to help people who say they want help, but really they're not showing it. Right? right. We need to remember that Jesus was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. And whose idea is missions anyway? I'm going to transition into this. Who, whose idea is missions? Is it man's idea? No, man's not that smart. Is it the church's idea? Mm -hmm. It could be, but no. We know whose idea mission is, right? It's God's idea because it's the heart of God. Before the foundation of the world, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost got together. And the Son said, Father, I'll go. And Jesus, when the time was right, in that season in humanity when he saw in that moment in between eternity past eternity future in the space we call time he sent his son at the perfect time 
the first missionary, Jesus Christ, left heaven and all of its glory, left his home, and he, he was born of a virgin, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He walked a mile in our shoes. Amen. He was tempted in all points. Yet for the joy that was set before him, he despised the shame, our shame. And he embraced us and called us friends. Said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he died. He stretched out his arms and said, I love you this much, right? And then he rose from the dead and he took his blood and he offered it upon the judgment seat and it became a mercy seat so that whosoever will, amen? amen. Praise God. As we share, as we fulfill our call, we have the promise that in Romans chapter 10, verse number 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right? You know, there's some people in some parts of the world who have never even heard about Jesus. And, you know, they can't imagine how they can escape their sins, their errors, and they live a depressed life. As a matter of fact, people in other countries who are living in such poverty, they wonder why God loves them less. You know, because they see, you know, us on the television and they say, look what, you know, Look at all the stuff that they have that I don't have. Well, God must love me less. And so as missionaries, after, you know, I learned the language, well, you know, he called me to preach, and I preached revivals. As an evangelist, I met my wife, and we married. And then he called us to pastor church, and uh, we were uh, in West Columbia. And uh, there we were, okay, for six years. That's where the two boys were born. And then he called us to go to Honduras as missionaries. And after, you know, a year of language school, I arrived in San Pedro Sula, which has become the murder capital of the world. That's where Angelina was born in Honduras. This is her first time ever in the United States since she's 11 years old. Woo! And so, you know, you know, all of us are going, you know, through a little bit of shock here. But we're here to raise our funds. We're here to do, you know, our itineration and share with the churches how much we appreciate your prayers and your and your support, and inspire you. So one of the things we do on the mission field is, um, is I do kids' crusades. And, uh, okay, because the gangs are so bad in Honduras that, you know, they take the kids and they teach them, you know, how to move their drugs, how to get hooked on their drugs, how to commit extortion and murder. They've learned, okay, that the judicial system in Honduras will not prosecute a minor for murder. And so they're getting, you know, the kids to do their dirty work. And so, if I'm doing a kids' crusade, I have a bunch of illustrations. Okay, one of them I use is I'll take my backpack, have my water bottle, and I'll go behind the church, and um, I'll find some dirt. And um, I'll mix it up, and I'll come into church, and I'll have a big clump of dirt. And I'm going to make believe that this brown washcloth is a clump of dirt, okay? And I'll ask them kids, I say, hey, kids, how you doing? And they're all, oh, praise God, you know. We're glad to see you, missionary. And I say, well, let me ask you something. I said, uh, how many of you were born in sin? And you know, we look around, and only a couple of them. Well, let me ask you this morning, how many of you were born in sin? All of us, right? We all were born in sin. And all of us are made out of the dust of the ground. You know, all of us are dirt. And, you know, when 
He created us. He created us out of dirt. And so the question is, have we got any dirt in the house? <laughs> yeah. Right? And another question is, how much is your dirt worth? How much are you worth? How do you view yourself when you look in the mirror? What is your self-worth? And that really hits, you know, hits nerve to, because there's a lot of abuse. There's, there's emotional, there's mental. You can imagine. There's all kind of abuse. And so, you know, I encourage them. I tell them, I say, you know what? I said, the things that we go through in life, you know, they press us. You know, they press our dirt and that, and that, and that hurt us in life. It's not because God, he sees you as less. He loves you. And you have worth. Now, see, in Central America, there's also a thing as human trafficking. And there's organ harvesting. And if you were to add all of you up on the black market, you might be surprised how much your dirt is worth. Okay? And I tell them, I say, I say but you know what? And I'll take a picture of water, and um, I'll pour it over the dirt. And as the dirt becomes to come off, I tell them, I say, I say but God, he sees through your dirt. He sees how he really sees you, and he wants you to see yourself from God's side of the sky. He wants you to see you for how he sees you, and he's making you. He's making diamonds out of dust. He's making diamonds out of us. And he sees you. You are precious in his sight. And he, he loves you. So much. And if you could understand how much he loves you, you would want to give your heart to him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a big hand for that. And Janina found this uh, in a Goodwill for $3.50. So, you know, it's, it's not a real diamond. Don't try to uh, insult me on the way out, okay? Hallelujah. So what are we talking about? We're talking about everybody has worth. And so as missionaries, and I'm going to wrap up with this, okay? Um, as missionaries, this is yours, Pastor Sheldon. When we got to Honduras, we thought, well, what are we going to do? How can we ever make a difference, right? We can all make a difference in our circle. And as you're faithful and as God uses you, he will broaden your circle. Amen? And it's never about us. It's always about him. And so, you know, I wanted to preach, and I connected it with the youth department, and they sent me everywhere to preach revivals, and I, you know, I did that, you know, for about a year, and it was great. And then I found out that they had been sending me to all the places that they didn't want to go. They said, God will protect the crazy gringo. <laughs> and God kept me safe. But you know what? I learned the culture and the language and the people, and what really stood out to me was the needs of the children. So many children in Honduras have never owned a pair of shoes, a hairbrush, a toothbrush, hygiene items, underclothes, a Bible. And, you know, how can you go back and share the gospel empty-handed? Mm -hmm. yeah. I just couldn't do it, okay, because we're white, you know, with blue eyes. We're just, you know, we're automatically rich yeah. if we're from the United States. And so, you know... It's kind of like how, you know, have you ever heard the saying, it's hard for me to hear your words over the sound of my stomach growling? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Yes, to preach the word is invaluable, you know, the whole, you know, salvation and, uh, you know, the, the, the redemption and lift. It's real and it happens. But there's sometimes you're in places that are such extreme poverty that how can you return empty handed? At least that's, you know, that's how I felt. And so we started a thing called the Children's Gift Ministry. Okay? The Children's Gift Ministry. We have a table in the back, and we have some cards, um, and encourage you to pray, okay, for us. But how it started was, we saw those needs, and we said, what if we called some of our friends and our pastors and, in, and, and asked them if they could put some things um, like a shoebox, what it turned into a Ziploc bag. And they pack items in the Ziploc bags, and they ship them to Honduras. And then we found out that there's a shipping company started by the Dip family. In Honduras, it's called the Dip Shipping Company. The Dip Shipping Company is the official shipping company of the Children's Gift Ministry. You can't make this stuff up, right? <laughs> so we've been working with the Dip Shipping Company for about eight years now. They give us 70 cents a pound, but other people usually charge about $3.50. So we're very happy about Dip Shipping. They ship all our boxes to Honduras. They arrive at the Children's ministry warehouse where from there we organize children's events out in the bush and the mountains and the jungles and rural areas you know and these children are very happy to receive those gifts we take pictures and videos we have about um, 150 videos on our YouTube channel and so um, our commitment is everybody who sends a box of gift bags We'll send you back the picture, and you can see the kids holding your gift bags. You know they're yours because the bag is clear. It's worked out really good, okay? And on the on the um, on the brochure on the back side, it has the shipping instructions. It's like a tip sheet. It's a dip shipping tip sheet. Okay, I digress. <laughs> so then we are out there in the bush on a back road, and they were distributing these bags. It dawned on us. How come these kids aren't in school? And they said, well, school is free, but if they don't have their school supplies, they cannot attend school. It's required. So we said, why don't we have a kid's crusade, and why don't we bless them with school supplies? Right? I mean, it was like a blind spot had been, you know, been removed. And so that year, we called our supporters, and we prayed. We said, Lord, help us with it. So we were able to raise $3,000, and we were able to get a quote, a backpack filled with school supplies for $10 a piece, 300 backpacks. And so, you know, we had the kids, we had a crusade, and 85 kids gave their heart to Jesus Christ. Right. And all 300 kids received a backpack filled with school supplies. And afterward, we thought about it, right? Like, wow, this is really cool, you know, because this helps get these kids off of the streets and out of the reach of the gangs and into school and connected with local churches. This could really help to stop and stem the, 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 the cycle of violence um, in San Pedro Sula, which is where like a lot of the caravans are coming from now. And so then, you know, the following year, we were able to raise for 400. Then the following year, our supporters, okay, now see, this is where, you know, as missionaries, a lot of people, you know, on the field, they come to us and they say, thank you, missionary, and we really appreciate you. You know, you guys, you are our heroes and all this. And I'm like, no, no, no. Our heroes are the ones who support us every month. You individuals in churches you're the heroes okay because you're the ones who make the ministry possible 
Assemblies of God missionaries receive no salary from Springfield. 100% of our support it comes from us coming to churches like yours and us sharing who we are and uh, what we do and how we do it and why we do it. And as the Lord enables you, you make a faith promise and you support us monthly and most of all pray for us. And then the Lord answers those prayers and opens new doors. And the following year, we reached 500 kids. We wanted to see what a single file line of 500 kids looked like. It was awesome. We had missions teams down. They were high-fiving them as the kids you know, were coming in. We gave them all their backpacks and 100, all they, um, 165 kids, I believe, gave their life to Jesus Christ. 500, yeah. right? Yeah. And so the next year, we said, okay, I'll go for 600. So we're like... Divide this up. Having three locations, 200 apiece. That year, the Lord surprised us. And we were, I uh, really reached 600 kids. We reached 2,600 kids in 12 locations. Wow. Praise God. Now, when I say we reached them, I mean we. Okay? Because we could never do this. And so, you know, we repented and we said, Lord, forgive us of our small faith. And so, you know, we got together with three AG pastors and we formed a team and we named this Back to Classes. With Jesus, or you know, the children get ministry backpack program, and so we set a goal of reaching four thousand. That year, we prayed through, and we didn't reach four thousand. We reached seventeen thousand kids in ninety locations. Praise God! Right? We received a container, and we just you know we organized events, and that's when we put a tagline: "Changing a nation through salvation and education." And so then this last year and the year before, we've been able to reach 30,000 kids um, in 200 locations across the country. It's in the inner cities, in the rural areas, up in the mountainous villages, out of the bush, in the jungles of the Mosquitia, where they speak the language of Mosquito, you know, the Indians. It's a part of the largest wilderness area um, of Central America. And then also in the islands. Has anybody ever heard of the island of Roatan? It's a jewel of the Caribbean. When you go on cruise ships, you'll usually stop. And so um, in the meantime, while we're doing all this, you know, uh, we're hosting all of the teams and everything, and we were able to build 21 Assembly of God churches in the country of Honduras. And that's because of our heroes, churches. They call us. Now, it's just a miracle. I'll get a call from a pastor in Honduras, and he'll say, hey, look, will you come visit me? I'm, you know, out here. And he's so proud. He's got a congregation of 50 or 60. And, you know, they're meeting out under a tree or under um, a galera, you know, which, which is just a small structure. And he says, let me show you my vision. We want to build the temple. And I said, well, you know, I'm not going to give you any false hopes. I said, I'm going to pray with you. And it never fails. It happened 21 times to us. A few weeks later, a pastor will call and say, hey, we want to know, have you got any projects we want to help you with? And I'm like, yes, you know what? I just met with a pastor, and I, as your missionary, I get to go to that pastor and say, guess what? God has answered our prayers. Amen. And so then we realize, you know, all these kids are still being reached, and we still got a gift back ministry, we still got a back to classes with Jesus ministry, and then all these kids are getting saved all over the country, but there's no kids pastors. And so, you know, we have the gift bag program. We got the Back to Classes with Jesus, which is the backpacks. And so then we started, it's called Equip Conferences for Children's Pastors. And we have a team of Hondurans who we have trained and have a manual. We, we worked with BGMC on this. And we have converted um, into Spanish 
um, a conference with all of the sessions, how to start a children's pastor's ministry, uh, you know, how to start a children's ministry, how to be a children's pastor, how to lead kids to Christ, how to reach their parents, how to help them with their issues, how to have kids crusades, how to do evangelism, all of that stuff. And uh, so far, we've been able to train 1,300 new children's pastors in the country of Honduras. So we've been busy. God's been good. Praise God. All the glory to God. And just before we left Honduras, my wife and I started to do marriage conferences because there's a big need for, you know, the, uh, for the pastors and their wives. You know, healthy family, healthy marriages equal healthy families, healthy families, healthy churches, healthy churches, healthy communities, healthy countries, right? So we appreciate your prayers for Honduras and, and, and uh, you know, Honduras is like, you know, all these other countries. It's beautiful. you got the mountains and the beaches. You know, the people are warm and they're friendly. They're thankful. But, you know, the world would be perfect if it wasn't for people. Right? The, the corruption of the government. You know, the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer. And, you know, there's no accountability. There's no integrity. There's no honesty. And so, you know, poor people... Um, I don't know if it's politically motivated or not. People ask me all the time, you know, what I think about the caravans. Well, I'm here to tell you, if there wasn't a real need, there ain't nobody who would leave their home, their family, and their country and walk in flip-flops for weeks across countries if there wasn't a real, a real need. Right. The need is real. Yeah. And we love hosting our teams because our teams come down and you know, they get out, you know, they... Get off the airplane and you load them on the bus. They're laughing and they're giggling, you know. They got their big, you know, gringo glasses on, sunglasses. And, uh, you know, um, I take them out and I say, all right, now, I said, uh, you're going to see some things you've never seen before. We divide them up into groups and we take them into places that really, really rough. And, you know, they come back, we do a debrief, and they're like, it's almost like they can't speak. They've never seen anything like that, a lot of them. And what really tears them up the most and confuses them, okay, because they're processing all this, is when they go from house to house, they're shacks with no floors, a lot of them. And, you know, they'll have a hammock on one side where the babies are. They might have a mattress on the floor. They might have a couple uh, pots and pans in the corner and um, a bucket of water where they have, you know, splash baths. But when we go into those homes and we share with them, if it's a bag of groceries or a blanket or, you know, scriptures or whatever it is, they're so thankful. They invite us into their homes and they keep thanking us. They keep thanking us over and over again. And the joy that they have, it's, it's, it's just, it's overwhelming. And they come back and they say, number one, I never realized how blessed I am. And I have been my whole life. I, I am so blessed and I never even knew it. I feel guilty. I've been selfish. And I try to walk them as their missionary, you know, through these emotions. And I say, well, you can't help where you were born, and they can't help where they were born. I said, but now you know. And now you know why you're blessed. You're blessed to be a blessing. 
Would you say that with me this morning? Blessed to be a blessing. You know, there's a lot of people who are really blessed, have, have a lot of blessings, and yet they're miserable inside because they don't realize the purpose behind the blessing is to be a blessing. That's what the Bible says. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Right? Yes. And so we walked them through. And I tell them, I said, now when you go home to the United States now, you put yourself in a position, now that you realize you have opportunities many people don't have. It'd be a sin for you not to take advantage of those opportunities. Allow yourself to be in a place where God can bless you because the more blessed you are, the more of a blessing you can be. Amen. And the spiritual blessing is the first. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, hallelujah. I'm going to close with this. And I started... For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's only so much we can do to alleviate the sufferings of this world. But there's something everyone can do. And that's share the gospel, right? Share the gospel. I'm going to share this. And we'll play this video real quick. It's the five hows of Romans chapter 10. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they've never heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they are sent? On behalf of my family and I, and a lot of other missionaries, we want to say thank you for your prayers. You say, well, we're a small church. You know, we can't do much. Yet, we are small. We are mighty. Right. You pray. When you intercede, when you call out our names, when you, when you pray for missionaries, it opens doors. When you give, even though it's little, it adds up. It adds up. So thank you for this opportunity. God bless you. And I hope you enjoyed this video. Kind of a recap.